Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. And uh, we have been doing... um a series or, or should I say uh, touching uh, throughout the year on um, wisdom. Wisdom builds the house. Wisdom builds you. Business, um, wisdom builds a life. It builds a destiny. Wisdom builds and foolishness tears down. We want to be found to be those who are walking in the wisdom of God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Just the beginning. Uh, the fear of the Lord. What is that? It's, it's not being terrified of God, although if we're not saved... We should be pretty scared of the wrath of God because it's that that we've been saved from. But the fear, healthy fear of the Lord is a sense of awe. It's respect, deep respect, reverence in the presence of a holy, just, righteous God. It is a healthy fear of the Lord is a a willing submission Uh, a willing obedience to his lordship because he's God and he's God Almighty. But also he is our loving father. And because he's loving and because he's kind and because he's forgiving, we don't want to be those that take advantage and just think, oh, well, the grace of God will just carry me through, come what may. No, we want to honour the grace of God. We want to honour and reverence that he is God Almighty and he is gracious and kind. So what happens when we fear the Lord? We're just recapping a little bit here and framing the message. But what happens when we fear the Lord? Well, first of all, it brings blessing on our lives. And for the sake of time, I will just make reference to Psalm 112 verses 1 to 2, if you want to look that up in your own time. What else does it do do when we fear the Lord? It gives us wisdom. Remember, fearing the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. We don't want the beginning. We want to be swimming in wisdom, don't we? We want it in every area of our lives. And we can read about that in Psalm 111 verse 10. What else does it do? It keeps us from sinning. The love of God restrains us. The love of God and His mercy. Uh, we don't want. We don't want to sin. Um, he brings a conviction. He brings um, a reference to His word that stops us and halts us, and makes us not desire sin anymore. And what else does it do? I mean, this list is exhaustive. It can just go on and on and on, but I've just sort of pulled in four here. Um, The fear of God will motivate us to evangelism. When we get on the inside how good this message is that we have been given by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't want to contain it. We want to get it out there. And we we don't want to uh, keep it just for ourselves. We want to actually go out there. So um, we need a healthy fear of the Lord. 
A healthy fear of the Lord means putting God first in all we do. And it means yielding to a healthy fear of God and not the fear of man. So often that, that is above our fear of God. We're fearing man. And Proverbs 29, 25 says it brings a snare. We get stuck. We get paralysed. We can't move because we are under the dictatorship of something that somebody has said. And we've taken that uh, at, a, at a greater level than we have what God has said. We've believed lies often, you know, that uh, people have spoken things over us or um, situations have dictated to us. And instead of referring back to God, referring back to his word and referring back to what he has to say, we've feared man and we've gotten stuck. You know, in Acts 5.29, we've got Peter and John and they have been commanded to start, oh, they've been commanded by God to preach the gospel. And the authorities of the day are telling them, you will not preach the gospel. They're now being threatened with death. If you go out there, if you preach the gospel, it's over and out for you. And their response to that threat was, we must obey God rather than man be it that we find ourselves in, in that stance. There are so many courageous, heroic followers um, of God in our Bibles where even when threatened with death by the authorities and governors of the day, chose to obey God rather than man. Uh, we've got all the classic stories. We've got Daniel, we've got Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We've got the wise men that were there at Jesus's birth. Go back and have a read of that. And today I'm going to touch on two heroic midwives who made it into this beautiful book, the Bible, because they are heroic, they are brave, they are courageous, and they fear God above man and said, we must do what God has asked us to do. And um, we are all called and we are all empowered by the Holy Spirit to be God-pleasers first. If we are worshipping God, we, are, we want more than anything to please Him before we please people. Now, this is not a message to go and rebel and just not listen to any authority or anything that anyone's doing, <laughs> saying to you. Um, no, this is a when the chips are down and you have to choose between what God's Word says and instructs and what a man is telling you to do uh, and instruct you to do that doesn't line up with God's Word, that's when we come in and say, no, I am pleasing God first before I am pleasing people. Yeah. Look, we all know you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see we're living in crazy end time days before Jesus returns. Hallelujah, he is returning. Anyone want to be around for that? Yes, I pray that I hang on until he returns and not go off early. And we don't know when that's going to be. If you've got a date, come and see me at the end. But I don't think you have. There are so many issues, distractions, frustrations, uh, things going on in the world right now. And the world has gone crazy. Common sense is not that common anymore. 
We've all gone a bit nut. Well, no, I won't speak for me. No, yeah, so we've gone a bit nutty. The world's gone nutty. We're we're talking about gender debates. We're talking about LGBTQ. We're talking about wokeism. We're talking about the aftermath of the pandemic. We're talking about abortion laws that have changed for the worse, not for the better. We're talking about corruption of governments across the planet. We're talking about climate change, food insecurity, increased mental health issues. We're talking about poverty, uh, lack of health care, wars, education shortage, the list goes on and on. There is so much to distract us. There is so much to preoccupy us. But we are here on the planet for such a time as this to worship the one true living God. Our focus is first Him. God first. And the enemy is unleashing all these things onto the earth right now because his time's running out. We know Jesus is coming back and the enemy's floundering. He knows and he wants to block and stop as many coming to know Jesus as he can before his time is over and out. More than ever, church, um, before, uh, more than ever before, we need to be those who are seeking out and digging out and applying the wisdom of God and His Word. These are not days to be casual. These are not days to be wishy-washy. The Word of God is not an optional extra to your lifestyle. The Word of God is an absolute necessity. It is your fuel. It is your bread. It is your sustenance. It is your hope. It is your instruction book. It is what you need right now. I need it. You need it. And if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to be in the Word of God. It's not an optional extra. We're in We are in days and there will be many more ahead where our faith will put us in a position where we must choose God over man. I mean, it's happening in other countries already where the chips are down and even to the point of death, the question goes out, will you choose God and his word over man and his dictatorship? And so we must be those who are not ignorant, but girded up and aware of the enemy's strategies. We must be increasingly aware of what we stand for and who we stand with as believers of God. Because what we practice demonstrates our relationship with Jesus, or dare I say, the lack thereof. We must be aware that God's kingdom authority and the world's systems of authority are often in opposites. We cannot afford just to believe everything we hear, to believe everything the media is feeding us, to believe everything that world leaders are feeding us. We must question it and measure it against the Word of God and go, hang on a minute, that sounded right, and sometimes it does sound right, it sounds almost right, but does it measure up to the Word of God? Is it backed by the Word of God? We don't 
don't want to be led just by leaders' opinions. And I'm talking about world governments as well and those that um, are influenced by them. But we must question everything, not in a cynical, critical way, but in a way that says, hang on a minute, before I apply anything here, I want to see if that measures up with God's Word and whether the conviction in my heart is to go ahead with what I'm being instructed here. Matthew 7 verses 13 to 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. It's so easy to go with what everyone is doing, what the crowd is doing, what is popular, uh, what is in vogue. It is a lot more difficult to stand for justice and the righteousness of Christ. If we've come into our Christian walk believing that everything's going to come up roses, that birds are singing hallelujahs from first thing in the morning to last thing at night and everything is beautiful, then we are uh, being deceived into a wrong gospel. It's hard, it's difficult and more difficult times are going to come and it's going to separate the boys from the men. That's just a a saying, you know, but the girls, you're involved as well, you know, (laughs) separate the girls from the women if you would like that. And so... This is not days for wishy-washiness. I feel a conviction in my own heart. I have conversations with people in my world that stir me, rattle me and awaken me. And I find myself saying, Sue, what are you doing? What, 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 you know, I mean, I get stirred in a good way. Wake up, smell the coffee, the chocolate, whatever it is you want to smell, but wake up because stuff is going down. Stuff is hitting the fan. (laughs) And I don't want to be an ignoramus and I don't know everything and I'm just a simple lass, but I need to stay awake and stay vigilant and do my bit. I need to be praying. I need to be in the Word. I need not to. And if I don't understand something, I've got to go to the people that do understand. Say, quick, tell me what's going on. Show me something. And, uh, and that's good for me because it helps me not to fall asleep on my blessed assurance. There is a short story in the book of Exodus of two heroic midwives who, because of their healthy, reverential fear of God over a dictator in Pharaoh, they became instrumental in preserving God's plan for Israel and rescuing Hebrew baby boys from imminent death. And... We, we don't know for sure, but it's likely that these two midwives were also instrumental in rescuing Moses. And we know in the book of Moses that um, he went on to be the, the person that God chose to deliver 
Israel out of Egypt, which represented captivity and slavery. And he led them out of Egypt into uh, God's hands and God's destiny. And they were set apart as God's people. And... um, Pharaoh, uh, before we read in Exodus, uh, let's remind ourselves that this Pharaoh in this particular time frame is a power hungry leader. He is not there to benefit the people. The people are there in his eyes to benefit him and his position of power. Very similar to a lot of leaders around today, sadly. They're not there for the people. The people are there to to benefit them and their position. And this Pharaoh is threatened by the children of Israel because they're having babies left, right and centre. There is a baby boom going on. Any baby boomers here? Yes, we were all post-Second World War. War was over and everyone was happy and there came all the babies. I think the next wave was all the COVID babies, wasn't it? All the lockdown babies. Suddenly there was a revival going on with babies being born in the lockdown. You can only watch so much Netflix, eh? And so here we are. We've got this power freak, Pharaoh. And he's ticked off. These babies are coming thick and fast. And we're going to read from Exodus 1, 15 to 22. Then the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra. Now it's actually pronounced Shifra. And the name of the other was Puah. Lovely. And he said... When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, I think they should bring back birth stools. Just a little side note there. I think they're just right. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives, called the midwife, just throwing that in there, called for the midwife. Anyone like that series? Oh, we love it, don't we girls? We love a good call the midwife session. Nice bar of Cadbury's and a few sessions of Call the Midwife and my soul is full. (laughs) So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and they give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt with the midwives, dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. What an evil plot. And then of course we roll 
that story and that narrative into the story of Moses when all the baby boys were now thrown into the River Nile. It's a short story, but it's a powerful story. And it's a story that we can all learn from, from these two midwives that made it into the beautiful uh, Bible to teach us and show us something about the heart of God and the justice of God. Now, Shifra, how it's pronounced in Hebrew, translates to beautiful or lovely. So that's nice, isn't it? I think they should have just called her beautiful instead of Shifra. It sounds much nicer, doesn't it? And Puah in Hebrew translates to splendid, very impressive or magnificent. There are so many translations for their names that I just picked my two favourite because I just thought beautiful and splendid. What they did was splendid. What they did was beautiful. They rescued baby boys that were meant to be killed. And I can't begin to imagine in that role when they're with women in their most vulnerable time of giving birth that they'd already decided that they were going to do what was on God's heart, not what was on Pharaoh's heart. And when a woman finally gave birth and they realised it was a boy, I can only imagine, they worked in pairs, the, the midwives, I can only imagine that they looked at one another and gave a little nod and had already decided we will not be killing these baby boys and handing them to their mums. They were brave, they were courageous, even in the face of death. If this was to be found out and Pharaoh was to find out, it was uh, almost certain that they would be killed. They feared God above man. They were professionals. They were working amongst the people, but clearly they were working for God first and foremost. Uh, And that was indicated by their actions. They were examples of Colossians 3, 23, 24 that says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God rewarded those midwives, it says, with households of their own. So whatever that meant, he did not overlook their courage, their bravery to rescue these little boys. Shifra and Puah stuck to their faith, their convictions and their purpose to bring life. After all, they were midwives. That was what they did. They brought life. They were not called to bring death. They were called to bring life. They came alongside women in their most vulnerable time, not only to make sure that the woman was okay, but that the baby was okay. What an incredible job. I know we've got midwives in in our church at Global Heart Church. Are you here today? Are you a midwife here today? Anyone give me? Yes, lovely. I can see one midwife. Lovely, lovely. I know when I mentioned this scripture in the sisterhood, we had quite a few midwives in there. What an incredible job. What an incredible calling. And so they come alongside in the most vulnerable time for mummy, for mummy. Uh, Well, that'll do. Yeah, mummy, mummy and baby. That'll do. They allowed their faith to drive their decision making. They allowed what they believe God to be uh, to 
to determine that they were not going to kill these babies. And uh, they recognise that God was the author of life and they wanted to be uh, hand in hand with God. They recognise that God is pro-life. He is not into death. And God's heart is pro-life and we, our hearts should be pro-life too. We do not have the right to take another human life. And we, that is up to God. God breathes life and God takes life in His perfect timing. We do not interfere with what God is doing when it comes to matters of life and death. You know, when should we obey and when should we disobey civil law and governments and authorities? Um, where, at what point do we say, I am not doing that because in doing that, I am going to be disobeying God? Well, I really like how um, theologian John Stott, he has since passed away, but he did a commentary on the book of Romans 13. And I like how he just simply put it like this, just to clarify that we're not a rebellious people. We're, we're not a lawless uh, people practicing lawlessness because we are God's people. We are a people that want to respect and honour those in authority, starting right back when we're children to honour our mother and father because this is good in God's eyes and there is reward and fruit that comes from that. But at what point do we say no? And uh, John Stott says this, we are to submit right up to the point where obedience to the state would entail disobedience to God. But if the state commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands, then our plain Christian duty is to resist and not to submit. To disobey the state in order to obey God, this is the strict meaning of civil disobedience, namely disobeying, disobeying a particular human law because it is contrary to God's law. Wherever laws are enacted which contradict God's law, civil disobedience becomes our Christian duty. With so much nonsense going on in the world right now, there's going to be more and more times um, in our lifetime and certainly in our children and in our grandchildren's days where the church and us as believers and followers of Christ have simply to say no. No to stuff that's being forced on us. No to stuff that takes away free will. God has given us free will to make choices, choices that line up with His Word, choices that line up with His heart. Not choices for death, but choices for life. 
and choices for free will. You know, at the end of the service today, you will receive an invitation to invite Jesus into your life. God does not force His will on any of us. He gives us free choice. He wants us to be able to say, yes, I'd like to, no, I don't. But when governments and authorities and abusers and dictators start forcing themselves on people, that is bang out of order. And as believers and certainly as the church, we must be vigilant, aware and and courageous enough to say no. No, that completely crosses with what God is saying, who God is, and I'm not going to be party to it. You know, the midwives, going back to the midwives, because I want us to take a leaf out of their book today. The midwives lied to Pharaoh um, And we're not into lying. The the Bible does not encourage lying. But their motivation for their lying was selfless. It was righteous. It was to save little boys' lives. And, you know, we can read back in history during um, uh, the Holocaust and that how people saved Jewish lives and they had to lie to do that. But God backed them and and looked after them and honoured them and saved many Jews. And so lying is only appropriate when it's it's got a selfless motive, it's got a righteous motive, it's got a motive to protect and to save. And uh, I did have a little laugh to myself just quietly uh, because I thought, you know, when Pharaoh called them in, they would have been scared because he's on to them. He's recognised, hang on a minute, there's some boys alive here. These boys have been born, these Hebrew boys have been born, they're still alive. Um, Who's responsible for this? I've I've given strict instruction to kill the boys at birth. And so he calls the midwives in and he said, what's going on? Or words to that effect, you know, in a more fancy voice, you know, "What's, what's going on? And and the women stand there, their lives in danger, their very lives in, they say, oh, but Pharaoh, you know, these Hebrew women, they give birth so quickly and with such vigour that we just can't get there in time. And it would appear that he, he took that as, you know, like it says God protected them. And I'm sure God protected them by having Pharaoh just suck that story up. Oh, well, fair enough. Off you go then. You know, because they, they went off with their lives. But any woman knows that if a midwife is there from the beginning of labour to the end, it ain't no short-term picnic. It's called labour, you know. And God bless the women that do pop them out in a bit of a flash in between shopping expeditions or whatever. And I will throw this in. I've had three sons and one of them from a little twinge in my back to holding him in my arms and loving on him was two hours exactly. I mean, that's unheard of, isn't it? The other two, nothing like that. But so I I got one, one. But anyway, so, you know, how good was it that God covered them and Pharaoh felt, oh, fair enough, you know, if they're having them that quick, well, I understand, then off you go, you know. And so we come back to, we don't know when Jesus is returning, 
but we know that evil is amping up on the earth. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out, hang on, things are accelerated here. Things have gone pretty stupid, haven't they? Oh, you can't believe half the conversations we're having about nonsense nowadays. And it's time, church, that we amp up to. And what do I mean by that? That we are amping up the voltage of getting involved with the Holy Spirit, getting involved with the Word of God so that we can clearly shine the light in a world that is getting darker and darker by the minute. We, it's it, Gone are the days of being wishy-washy, casual about your Bible, casual about praying, just casual, you know, that is a nice little addition to other things in your life. We are God's children. We are His people and He is our God and He's calling on us. He's calling on us to stand for justice. He's calling on us to stand for His heart. What's on His heart? What's on His mind? What He wants to see people come into the kingdom before this whole world as we know it wraps up. Time is running out and He He wants us, His people, with Him coming into the gap. As the world gets darker, Jesus' church will shine ever brighter. Church, I'm talking to myself here, we need to be relevant, we need to be active and we need to be awake. Awake, not fluffing about. This is not a social club. This is not a, you know, I've got nothing else happening on a Sunday morning. And you've heard all the quotes. But when we come in here and we bring a reverence to the living God, the one true living God, we stop to worship. We stop to lift our hands. We stop to say, Jesus, for this moment in time, we are all worshipping you together. We put our coffee down. We put it under the seat. We stop chatting for five minutes. By all means, greet people. Uh, but I am not trying to be a, a, a killjoy here. But what I'm saying is sometimes when we walk into God's house, it doesn't feel any different because we must, we are called to engage in worship to a living God. And when we do, incredible things happen. We need to get that renewed, fear, healthy fear of God. I'm here first for God, and then I'm here for man. And uh, I want to just quote another scripture before we wrap up. Matthew 24, 3 to 8 says this. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. 
and will deceive many. You will hear of wars, rumours of wars, but see to it you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains, the beginning of birth pains. And any woman that's given birth in here will know that there is a transition that uh, before that baby is born, the pain gets more intense. Uh, That is usually the transition point when mum wants to go home. She can't do it anymore. She slaps her husband around a bit. She starts mouthing off at the staff in the hospital. You can picture the scene. It ain't a picnic giving birth. And it says that the earth as we know it is experiencing birth pains. It's going to get more intense before the end of the age. It's going to get painful. And as I said to uh, the sisterhood ladies one Tuesday morning, I said, you know, we need not only to learn from these midwives, but we need to take on the stance of spiritual midwives in these days, that we are those who um, we are uh, coming in the spirit of Shifra and Puah, um, that we are exercising a healthy fear of God, that we are exercising wisdom and that we are standing up for justice, that we have chosen to rise up and protect, to support, to fight for and pray for our young people, especially in these days, the vulnerable and the lost. Satan wants our children. He wants to snuff out potential worshippers of the one true living God. He wants deliverers to come forward like Moses. He, he, uh, sorry, he wants to snuff out deliverers like Moses who potentially can lead thousands, even millions into the Kingdom of God before everything wraps up. Satan does not want people coming into the knowledge of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, the power of the shed blood to forgive sins, the power of the broken body that brings wholeness. Satan is seeing to it as quickly and as effectively as he can to stop people entering into the Kingdom of Light and into God's beautiful kingdom. The role of the midwife, if we are to take on the stance of a midwife, is to come alongside, to help, to encourage the birthing woman to push through her pain for the sake of the child, to push through with a vision of what is on the other side. Oh, for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross and we women get a little taste of that when we're in childbirth. You know, the agony, the pain, and then suddenly you're holding the baby. And I remember turning around saying to Jared, I'd do it all again in a flash. And that's like five minutes after holding the baby. Oh, for the joy. The, the role of that midwife 
is to keep saying to that mum, keep going, keep breathing, stay focused. She's there to comfort, to help, to advise, to hold her hand. How crazy that in the middle of labour, a woman has to be reminded to breathe. But it's that, it's that breath that brings uh, energy and life to keep going. Take another breath, take another breath, hold that breath. And one of the, uh, the meanings of the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. When that pain gets intense, whatever that challenge is that you're going through, take the breath of God into you. Take the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going because there's something on the other side of this and breathe in the power of the living God. How amazing that the job definition of the midwife runs so closely to one of the definitions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Greek word paraclete, is one who comes, uh, sorry, to come along someone, uh, aside someone else, to come alongside. The role of the Holy Spirit to comfort, to advocate, to urge, to exhort, to encourage, to implore and to counsel. And again, the list goes on and on. The Holy Spirit is with us in these days, in these birthing days, in these days where young people are birthing new things that will bring God's presence, that will bring in salvation salvation for many. For us seasoned Christians, we need to come alongside and be cheering our young people on and saying, come on, you can do it. I know it's hard. I know it's painful, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can keep going and we can keep strong. We can get up and we can go again. And I'm asking today, will you today choose to be that person that will come alongside and be available to God, to pray, to encourage, to help, to comfort, to be proactive, to initiate and to demonstrate faith that is committed to the difficult narrow gate, not the wide open easy gate. Let's first and foremost look at our own lives and say, am I awake? Am I moving forward? Am I praying? Am I in God's Word? Am Am I speaking for the vulnerable? Am I coming alongside? And then come alongside those that are starting on the walk of faith or for our children, making sure that we're not casual about getting the Word of God into them, telling them about Jesus, every opportunity that we have. I'm asking and encouraging us today to learn from Shifra and Pua and take on the spirit of the midwife that says we fear God first before we fear man and even to the point of death I would go for God I would speak for God and I would let go of my casual stance and I will be passionate and I will go for God and lead many into eternity if you are here today and you say count me in on that declaration let's stand and let's pray and let's believe God together that His Holy Spirit will bring 
a conviction. I feel it in my own heart. I feel it in my own life. Sue, get up, shake yourself off, wake yourself up, get yourself in position, stop dilly-dallying around. It's all of those, not in a harsh way, but my loving Father saying, Sue, there's more in you, get up. Sue, I need you to go again. That, you know, there are many, many people still to be one into the kingdom. We want to see the children saved. We want to see young people break into their destinies and not be left floundering because there was no one to help and encourage them and say, come on, push through your pain. Breathe in that Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So Father, we come to You again in the mighty Name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, speak to hearts, I pray that, Father, we would be those who are not falling asleep while we're waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. But that, Lord, we have the, Your light, Your conviction, Your power in us that energises us to face those things that are relevant to seeing a generation saved for You. That, Father, we are those who carry words of life. We are pro-life because You are pro-life. That we are not those that carry death. We do not carry death in our words. We do not carry death in our habits and and, uh, in our lack of discipline and in our body. We carry life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Every time we wake up in the morning, that we will not be those playing church, but we will be those who are followers of Christ, even, dare I say, in the days ahead to the point of death, like many of our brothers and sisters abroad are already doing. Father, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank You that You are coming back for us again. We are a bride that is being made beautiful by Your Spirit. But Father, help us not to take any of this for granted, but to do and to be the church in the walls of the building and outside the walls of the building, in our workplaces, in our families. Father, help us to take on the spirit of the midwife to to just birth life birth life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.